This is Our House by Art, Humanity, and Action, a podcast where activists tell stories about the first time they realized they had to get involved and what happened next. I'm your host, Nicole Ferraro. I started to think I needed to get involved in a way that I hadn't before. It ain't over. We have a lot, a lot of fighting to do. I knew I had to be involved. I wanted to help. People call it a duty, like you have a duty to do certain things. You know, it sort of dawned on me that I have to do something. But it was because uh, I found myself born astride uh, a nation and a world that is so often uh, divided. Divided along lines of race, divided along lines of class, uh, divided along lines of religion. The most significant influence on my volunteerism, on my activism, on my community engagement is Barack Obama. I didn't see him give the keynote address in 2004, but I did catch him giving an interview in 2006. How do we expand a sense of empathy uh, and allow each and every one of us to be able to stand in somebody else's shoes and see the world through their eyes and as a consequence see ourselves and other people? Uh, Because it strikes me that uh, that's the only way that we're going to survive as a planet. And I had this immediate thought that he should be our president. So when he announced his candidacy uh, in 2007, I knew I had to be involved. I wanted to help him. That's Malia Brown. When she was a kid growing up in Pennsylvania, she used to go out with her family, canvassing door to door for her grandfather, who was city commissioner. Not every kid's dream, but Malia remembers having a good time. And those skills she learned would come in handy many years later, when Malia first felt compelled to go out and campaign for a young senator from Illinois. So I applied for an internship with the Obama campaign. It was out of the Pittsburgh campaign office where I was at university. And they wanted me to do student outreach. I was asked to reach out to different organizations and student groups. And I remember being surprised at that because I I guess I assumed I would get a list of to-dos and I could just check off, you know, one by one task accomplished. I didn't realize they would give me so much flexibility to go out on my own and set up meetings on my own and choose which individuals to speak with on my own. So I felt really empowered by that opportunity. I remember the first time I went and spoke to a student group about the importance of registering to vote and voting and paying attention to the issues, being involved in your community. And I remember when I asked, show me a raise of hands who needs to register, so many hands went up. And I passed out the forms and I collected the forms and I left. And I just felt so good that I had used my free time to do something that I thought would make a positive impact. 
the election results in 2008, uh, goodness, it was for me to know that I had a hand in that, you know, hitting the streets, knocking on doors, making phone calls. Um, I felt so inspired, so uplifted, and just so hopeful. So I had such a great experience uh, as an intern for what was then Obama for America. And I stuck around with the organization through the re-election campaign in 2012. It was then OFA 2.0, as we like to say, it was organizing for America. There were a lot of bus trips from New York City to Pennsylvania because the state of New York had been partnered with the state of Pennsylvania, which is a swing state. I had a, a life-changing experience, I think, just taking those trips on the buses. I remember at one point we were returning from Pennsylvania to New York and our regional director asked me if I wanted to run the discussion. And I thought, really, you want me to do it? And, and I would be able to give the results to all the canvassers. You know, here are our numbers. Here are the number of doors we knocked on, the number of commit to votes we got. It's always a really great unifying moment when you do that on your way home from a trip. And I did it and I loved it. And to this day, canvassing trips, taking a bus to and from back and forth, those are my favorite things. I still volunteer with OFA, which is now Organizing for Action. So we focus on issues. The issue that is closest to my heart and what I spend a majority of my time on is climate change. Uh, because of Hurricane Sandy in 2012. When the storm hit, it really devastated my community. And it's one thing to see a storm through pictures or to hear about a storm through stories, but it's a whole other experience to actually stand amongst the rubble. And I was able to go out and help with disaster relief. But I remember at one point tearing this house down to the foundation um, with the, the man who had lived there with his wife and their newborn daughter. The only piece of furniture left in the house was a crib and we tore everything else apart around it, and I couldn't help but think how just days or weeks before that, it was a home with pictures on the walls, and here we are tearing it apart while this family is displaced. It was a really moving time, and knowing what I know about climate change and that temperatures are rising and storms like that are going to be more and more frequent, I wanted to do as much as I can to be a part of the solution to at least help people prepare for what is coming. And OFA was kind enough to send me to a training in Chicago with the Climate Reality Project. So I went to the training. I heard from, from Al Gore, from different climate scientists, from all these really wonderful, smart, intelligent people and I was given the tools to then go out in my community and share the information that I had learned. 
So I do these presentations where I go to conferences, into classrooms, into community rooms, and I talk about climate change. And I do it in a way that makes it very easy to understand. And I always see these light bulbs going off in people's heads where they're making the connection between our pollution and a atmosphere that's being thickened by it and temperatures that are therefore rising and the results, which are these storms that we're seeing among other things. You know, people think a lot that they're just one person, that they can't do much. But when that one person is collective, <laughs> making millions of people, then goodness, you can move mountains. You can really make significant change. And it comes from the ground up. It does start at this low level, this local level. And it takes just one person to step up and say something and to impact their friends, their family, and then you see a ripple effect. Before you know it, you are changing the minds and the hearts of people all across the country, all across the world. Malia actively changes hearts and minds through her ongoing work with OFA. We'll talk more with her about that work and why the midterm elections are especially consequential to the future of the planet. Malia, thank you so much for being here and thank you for your story. Thank you. Can you tell me a little bit about what your activism looks like now? What is What have you been doing recently? Yeah, well, I've still been uh, giving presentations on behalf of the Climate Reality Project, so talking about Global Warming 101. I've also joined a faith-based group called C4, which stands for Christians Concerned About Climate Change. And I think that's important because, you know, climate change is an issue that we need to focus on in every uh, community group from every angle. So we talk about it being our moral responsibility to protect and take care of the gift that is our planet, planet Earth. And earlier this year, I, I testified for the first time at a hearing that was organized by New York's attorney general um, in support of the Clean Power Plan, which the current administration plans to repeal without even a replacement. And the Clean Power Plan is important because it's the first nationwide limits on carbon pollution from new and existing power plants. So that's obviously in our best interests. And then it was also a key part of our commitment to the Paris Climate Agreement, which I think people are familiar with. A couple years ago, every country came together. They committed to this agreement to cut pollution and invest um, in practices that would make for a cleaner planet. And then, of course, our current administration is pulling us from that as well. So, you know, while that's disappointing and rather embarrassing, we now stand alone as the only country that's not committed. Um, it also provides opportunity for states and cities 
business and local leaders to step up and do what our government's not doing. So I've been supportive of different grassroots organizations that are, you know, calling for clean air and water, um, a transition to renewable energy, and climate justice for vulnerable people affected, uh, like uh, People's Climate Movement, who organized those big marches, the March on Washington last year. I was there with you. It was wonder- It was 90-something yeah, 90 degrees. 90 degrees in was, April, uh, so quite fitting. Felt good, you know, to stand in solidarity with a couple hundred thousand people. So can you talk about why the midterm elections are so important to climate change and the future of our planet? There are so many important issues out there to focus on, but many of them, you know, as years go by, we can go back, we can right a lot of wrongs, whereas with climate change, we really get one shot to correct this problem. Um, It's so urgent that we do that and we do it as soon as possible. So the midterms coming up, that's our best chance to put people in positions of power that not only accept the overwhelming science that says human beings cause climate change, but are also willing to take action on that, to have regulations that are in our best interests in place. And so this is, this is a great chance to support those people because they amplify our voices. People are listening to this. They're inspired by your story. What is one action that you're asking them to take right now to get involved? So the simplest thing that people can do is just continue the conversation on climate change. Make sure you're speaking about this issue with your families and your friends because a lot of people, they don't give it the attention that it deserves. So just talk about it, blog about it, post about it, you know, write a letter to the editor about it if it's something that you care about and keep the conversation going. But um, I have to, of course, say support candidates in uh, the upcoming elections that also care about this issue and also want to take action on it because that's that's really the most important thing that you can do. Malia, thank you so much for being on the podcast and for being in the world. Thank you again to Malia for being with us on the podcast. And I also want to say a personal thanks to Malia, who I met on my first ever canvassing bus trip in 2016 for Hillary Clinton. I showed up uh, terrified. I didn't think this door-to-door thing would be for me at all, but Malia's kindness and patience helped ease me into it. And now I love canvassing trips for all the same reasons that she described. So I highly recommend finding a candidate that you're inspired about this year and taking a trip to go door-to-door. It's way more fun than you think especially if you meet your own Malia along the way. If you want to get involved in OFA, visit OFA.us or check out the show notes. This podcast comes from Art, Humanity, and Action and is produced and edited by Jeff Rose. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back next week.